Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your favorite quarterback hater, Robert Mathis, and you're listening to the For the Culture Podcast. This is the For the Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Diamond. Before we get into the Anthony Costanzo news, if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Radio.com, iHeartRadio, Google Play, all your favorite podcasting platforms. Hit the like button, leave a comment, and turn on the notification bell so you get a notification every time we drop a podcast. Today, Anthony Costanzo announced his retirement from the National Football League, a decade, 10 seasons, all in Indianapolis. He was a first-round pick by the Colts back in 2011 with the 22nd pick. And ironically, we're picking 21st this year. So Anthony Costanzo's replacement could come at 21. He was drafted at 22 in the first round of the 2011 NFL Draft. It was a Chris Polian, Bill Polian regime pick. Codwell was the coach at the time. He played for Chuck Pagano. He played for Bruce Arians. He played for Frank Reich. So technically, if you include Arians, he played for four head coaches in 10 years. He played for the Polian regime, the Grigson regime, and the Ballard regime. And then he also protected a bunch of quarterbacks in 2011 as a rookie. He protected a rookie, Andrew Luck, in 2012. And he was also the only offensive lineman protecting Andrew Luck from 2012 up until 2016 when we drafted Ryan Kelly. He protected Jacoby in 17 and 19. A bunch of different random quarterbacks in the middle like Matt Hasselbeck and Brian Hoyer. And then, of course, Phillip Rivers this past season. So... He's really a cult lifer when you think about it. Ten years isn't as long as maybe Reggie Wayne, Robert Mathis, Peyton Manning, Marvin Harrison, Dwight Freeney. But ten years, he played for multiple regimes and the last three in Indianapolis. So he saw multiple quarterbacks. He saw multiple head coaches. He saw multiple general managers. And he's really been a constant in Indianapolis. And with Venateri retiring slash leaving last offseason... He was the longest tenured Colt on this team, dating back to 2011. Obviously, there was a ton of roster turnover after Grigson got fired and Ballard came in in 2017. So between 17 and 18, we turned over probably 80, 90% of this roster. And now we're down to just a handful of guys, Lil Raven Clark being one of them who will be on his way out. T.Y., who may or may not be re-signed. I kind of think he will be re-signed. Jack Doyle, who's going into the second year of, I think, a three-year deal that he signed as an extension last year by Chris Ballard and then Ryan Kelly. And I think that's it. There's really not a lot left on this roster from Grigson. And now the final Polian regime player is gone in... Anthony Costanzo. So congratulations to Costanzo, first and foremost. I mean, this guy gave us 10 years. He gave us a decade, blood, sweat, and tears, 144 starts. If you include his eight postseason starts, 152 starts for the Indianapolis Colts. So we definitely have to thank him. Unfortunately, he couldn't play out the final year of this two-year deal. It would have been great to have him back just one more year, but he had to do what was right for him, his body, his mind, his family, his life. So he will be calling it a career after 10 years. And when you look at the numbers, he's been, especially the last three years, he's been fantastic for the Colts. It's really a shame. I mean, honestly, it should be a federal crime that he retires without a Pro Bowl or an All-Pro to his name, especially when you look at the last three years in Indianapolis leading up to his retirement, 2018, 19, and 20. In 2018, he had two false starts, one hold, and one sack. In 2019, he had one false start, 
no holding penalties, and two and a half sacks. And then this past season, battling through the injuries, he had zero full starts, one holding penalty, and allowed three sacks. So the last three years, six and a half sacks, only penalized eight times in three seasons. He's one of the most underrated Colts in franchise history, and then around the league, never got the respect he deserved. Never got the respect from all pro writers or Pro Bowl fan vote or coach vote or player vote. He kind of flew under the radar his entire career. And then to look at his productivity the last three seasons, playing next to Quentin Nelson, who's playing next to Ryan Kelly between those two guys, there was five Pro Bowls, three first-team All-Pros, and one second-team All-Pro, and Costanzo never got the credit, never got the recognition he deserved. So I want to give that to him now saying that he's one of the best offensive linemen, one of the best players, and unfortunately just doesn't have the accolades to show for it with the Pro Bowls and the All-Pros, but he was that good in Indianapolis and definitely a candidate, in my opinion, to one day be in the Colts' ring of honor. He had a great 10-year career in Indianapolis, durable, consistent, got better and better and better each and every year, never complained, ultimate team guy, leader, and just everything you could ask for in a left tackle, especially the last three years, 18, 19, and 20. And then I just think back to the way he came out of the locker room, knowing the importance of that game against the Raiders. So people could say, oh, he wasn't able to tough it out or whatever down the stretch this season. The guy needed ankle surgery. And in that Raider game with the knee injury, he came out of the locker room and he finished that game. He played really well down the stretch of that game. And it sucks that his career has to end on an injury and it has to end like this. But he's going out at 32 years old, still a young guy, made a ton of money, and is going out on top. You know, it could be a lot worse. You have a lot of guys end with these devastating career-ending injuries. And Costanzo is a guy who I think, like Andrew Luck, had a lot of interest outside of football. But he puts together a really solid 10-year career, comes in a year before Luck, plays two years after Luck, and now he'll be riding off into the sunset. And the big question is now, what do the Colts do at left tackle? Well, we already needed a left tackle because we knew that last year, Costanzo was contemplating retirement. We knew there was a chance he would retire after the 2020 season. And the beauty of it is the way Ballard set it up, there's no dead money. There's no dead cap space with Costanzo now opting out and retiring after the first year of the two-year deal he signed in March. So financially, this does not restrain us in any way whatsoever. The depth of the tackle position on this team, and now Valdir is actually playing for the Packers this weekend, and I don't know how that happened. I don't know why that's allowed, but it might be some type of COVID loophole where he was on our practice squad so he could get signed off our practice squad, and now he'll be the first player to ever play for two playoff teams in the same postseason. So I think it's bizarre. I think it should be against the rules, but good for Valdir. He was good for the Colts in Week 17. He was good for the Colts again in Wild Card Weekend. So Valdir is gone. He might be an option in free agency to bring in as a starter next year and to be the starting left tackle because I'm going to be looking at veterans. And then I'm also, of course, in the draft, in that first round especially, going to be looking for a future left tackle to maybe develop behind a player like Valdir or just name a veteran out there who's going to be a free agent. I haven't really dove into the available free agents yet, but it's going to be a position I think we have to address multiple times because we went into this year, Costanzo, fantastic. Braden Smith played at an all-pro level this year at the right tackle spot. Both of them, phenomenal. We needed depth. LaRaven Clark, Chaz Green, not going to get it done. Jamarcus Webb, we needed depth to begin with. 
Now we lose one of the two starters to retirement. So he's not coming back. It's not the first month of the season. It's not six to eight weeks. He's gone. He's retired like Andrew Luck, retired. So we need to fill that spot long-term, but we also need, especially let's say Phillip Rivers comes back, you can't have a rookie making mistakes out there with a 39-year-old quarterback who can't move. So it's going to be important that if it's a rookie that's plugging and playing, he has to be NFL ready. It has to be a guy who could plug and play and give you quality NFL starts right out the gate, or it has to be a vet who could come in like a Valdir at the end of the year and give you starts, even if it's the first four to six to eight weeks, and then he passes the baton midseason to a rookie, that's also acceptable. And then you have the vet as a backup to the rookie and to Braden Smith because I thought going into this offseason, we needed two tackles. We needed one for the future, and we needed a vet to be a utility backup for the two tackle spots because we couldn't go in to 2021 the way we went into 2020 with no depth at the backup tackle positions. So I think right now, in a perfect world, we need three tackles on top of Braden Smith. We need a starter, and then we need two backups. Joe Haig will be available again. That would be a great backup signing. Valdir, I think, would be a good swing guy, a guy who you could sign as your starter. And then if you draft a rookie who shows that he's ready in practice week seven, week eight, week nine, you plug him in and then Valdir becomes the utility backup for the two tackle spots. So in my opinion, we are not one tackle short. We're at bare minimum two tackle short and possibly three tackle short. I would love to have four guys that I'm confident in. And obviously we have one already in Braden Smith. And then that brings up the big question. Would you move Quentin Nelson to tackle long-term? Would you make Quentin Nelson your long-term starting left tackle? Frank Reich was asked about it during the week after the loss to the Bills. And he said it's something that will be considered. They'll consider moving Quentin Nelson, a three-time first-team all-pro left guard, to tackle as the future left tackle. And besides the financial aspect, because he's going to make a lot of money at guard, and if he's that good at tackle, which would be great and it would be worth the money, it would be a ton, a boatload of money for the Colts. He'd get paid almost like a quarterback. But the reason I wouldn't do it isn't financial. It isn't about anything like that. I just look at Quentin Nelson and the career trajectory he is off to with three first-team All-Pro awards through his first three seasons with three Pro Bowls. He's allowed, I think, one sack his last 45 or 46 games. Very rarely penalized. I know he had a couple holding penalties during the year, and it was a little bit of an issue around the time of the Green Bay game. But for the most part, he doesn't get a lot of penalties for a young guy. He doesn't give up sacks. He's a bulldozer in the run game. I mean, he's just the perfect player at left guard. And you could make the argument that he is off to the greatest start by any player at any position in the history of the National Football League. The only player that is even in the conversation would probably be Barry Sanders. They're the only two players to be three-time first-team All-Pros after their first three seasons. And then Barry did not do it his fourth season. So Quinn has a chance to be the first player in NFL history to be a four time first team all pro through his first four seasons in the national football league. So when I look at Quinn Nelson and what he's done through his first three years, 
you might be creating a bigger hole because if you move him from left guard where he is a 9.9 out of 10 to left tackle and he becomes, let's say, an 8.5, you're downgrading him as a player and you're hurting and you're breaking what's not broken in Quentin Nelson to an extent. I mean, 8.5 is still great, but you're also creating a hole now at left guard. And I look at Quentin Nelson as such a generational talent. If you needed to, in a pinch, move him to left tackle, as we saw this season, where for one possession you move him to left tackle, or even one game, or even, let's say, midseason, final five games of the season, final eight games of the season, you don't like what you have at left tackle, and you like your backup left guard, and you want to move Quentin Nelson, I'm fine with it. I just don't know about a long-term solution, because I think you're creating more holes. Same thing with Braden Smith. He is fantastic, did not allow one sack all year at right tackle. If we move him to left tackle, he's not going to be the same player. Most likely. I mean, maybe he would, maybe he wouldn't. And then you're also creating a hole at right tackle. Now you're going to need to find a right tackle. And the chances are that guy will be worse at right tackle than Braden Smith is at right tackle. And then Braden Smith will now be playing left tackle. And he won't be as good as he was when he was playing right tackle. And he struggles with speed rushers. And that's all you're going to see when you're playing left tackle. So I wouldn't play musical chairs maybe during the season in a pinch if you're really up against the wall and it's a dire situation, maybe you can make a move and you bump Quentin Nelson out. As I suggested during the year, I wanted to do it during the season because I just didn't feel comfortable with LaRaven Clark or Chaz Green out there. But it's tough to fix those spots during the season. In the offseason, you have free agency, you have the draft, you have trades. There's a lot of things that could be done that might not be able to be done midseason to fill a void, to add depth to the tackle position. So that's what I would like to see Ballard do. Quinn Nelson is so good. He's arguably, in my opinion, he is the best guard in the National Football League, but he's arguably the best offensive lineman in NFL history through his first three seasons. No offensive lineman has ever been a three-time first-team All-Pro through their first three seasons. That's how good he's been. He is on track to be on the Mount Rushmore of offensive linemen, maybe the Mount Rushmore of NFL players, if you're being fair and you're saying, wow, this is what this guy did at his position through three seasons. And if he does it for 10 seasons, he'll be arguably the greatest offensive lineman of all time, definitely the greatest left guard of all time. So Quinn Nelson, I just wouldn't move him there long-term. I mean, I guess it's something you do have to think about, but I rather not break something that isn't broken. And also Quinn Nelson makes the tackle next to him better. When you look at Anthony Costanzo's career before and after Quinn Nelson playing without him and playing with him, he was two different players. So I love Anthony Costanzo. I thought he was a great tackle, but let's call a spade a spade. Anthony Costanzo before 2018 and Anthony Costanzo 18, 19, and 20 with Quinn Nelson was two different players. Without Quinn Nelson, he made 105 starts. He allowed 34.5 sacks. He allowed 0.33 sacks per game. Starting alongside Quentin Nelson, 39 starts, allowing 6.5 sacks, which is only 0.16 sacks per game. That is fantastic. He basically cut it in half. You went from 0.33 sacks per game to 0.16 sacks per game 
for what Costanza was allowing for his career. And it's not a small sample size, 39 starts to 105 starts. Of course, you have to be fair within those 105 starts. He was a rookie for the first 16 or so. But the last three years, undoubtedly, undeniably, the best three years of Costanzo's career, and it came playing next to Quentin Nelson. So Nelson is going to make, and this is great for Colt fans, it's great for the future left tackle of the Indianapolis Colts, whether that be next year a veteran or a rookie or whoever it may be. That guy gets to play next to Quentin Nelson. And for Colt fans, yeah, we lose a great talent in Anthony Costanzo, but we're going to get somebody who doesn't have to go through the trials and tribulations of Costanzo his first seven years in the league where he wasn't playing next to Quentin Nelson. That guy's going to come in, and right off the bat, he's going to play next to Big Q. And then you can look at Valdir. Valdir came in, and he was great. And a big part of that was because he's not named Chaz Green or LaRaven Clark. But another big part of that is he got to plug in and play right next to Quinn Nelson. And you could say the same thing about Ryan Kelly. Kelly's a great player. First round pick, just like Anthony Costanzo. Highly touted player coming out of Alabama. But he wasn't the same player in his first few years as he's been the last three years since playing next to Quinn Nelson. He wasn't a pro bowler before Quentin Nelson. He wasn't an all-pro before Quentin Nelson. These last three years, playing next to Big Q, two Pro Bowls, one second-team all-pro. So the Big Q effect is real, and it makes everybody around him better, like a great point guard. A great point guard is a facilitator, and they make everybody else on the floor better. They make their center better. They make their power forward better. They make their shooting guard better, and that's what Quentin Nelson does along the offensive line. And one more thing, one more shout-out I want to give to Anthony Costanzo. Eight postseason starts playing in 100% of the offensive snaps in all eight of those games, allowing zero sacks and being penalized zero times in those eight starts. That's not a small sample size. That's half a season against the best of the best in the playoffs. You're going up against the New England Patriots. You're going up against those Denver Bronco teams with Von Miller. He played some really good teams in the playoffs. And he never allowed a sack. He was never called for a full start. He was never called for a holding penalty. And those are the games where big-time players step up and they make big-time plays. And I know you don't usually say that about an offensive lineman because you're not seeing him break off a 50-yard touchdown or do anything like that. But his performance rose to another level on the biggest stage. In the playoffs, when we needed him most, he stepped up and he was better than he was in the regular season. And only two out of those eight games were next to Quentin Nelson. So six of them, including getting blown out a couple times by the New England Patriots, it was never because of Anthony Costanzo. Costanzo was never getting beat or burnt on all those terrible offensive lines, 2012, 13, 14, when we were making the playoffs and he was playing in playoff games with four garbage cans next to him, never allowed a sack, never called for a full start, never called for a holding penalty. So insanely consistent Anthony Costanzo, a great career and possibly one day a Colt Ring of Honor inductee. So thank you for everything you've done, Anthony Costanzo. Enjoy your retirement. Enjoy the next chapter. You 100% deserve it. And that'll do it for us. So I wanted to be more positive, tough loss on Saturday. So we are going to get into the All-Pros. I know it's been a couple days and it's kind of old news, but it's positive and I wanted to get into the All-Pro Awards. We have six. So that'll be this week. We're also going to go over in-house free agents this week, and we're also going to have a couple of interviews over the next week or so. We're starting to line those up with 
current and former Colts. So that should be fun. And that'll all start later this week, right here on the For the Culture Podcast.